Hey everyone, welcome to Spillin' TV the podcast. I'm Tyler, and on this episode, I guess I'll be doing kind of a spooky season bonus episode. I don't know, um, I'm gonna be talking about The Haunting of Bly Manor, and I didn't necessarily think I was going to do an entire episode about it. I had mentioned it before, and it was a possibility, but it was requested by one person and one person only, so here we are. Um... I mentioned on the last episode that I was watching it, and now I'm done. Today is Sunday, like, October 11th, I think, and I finished it at, like, 1 o'clock this morning, and, uh, I'm just gonna get into it, and there will be spoilers, um, in the, in the, like, in the notes, I'll detail whether they're super, uh, yeah, it's gonna be spoilers, so don't listen to this if you haven't watched it yet, um, or do if you have no intentions of watching it. But um, in the first like Spooky Season episode, I talked about The Haunting of Hill House, which I mentioned was created by Mike Flanagan. This show is also, you know, like created by Mike Flanagan because it's basically, not basically a continuation, it's like a brand new story, but it's like <laughs> the same people working on it. And some of the cast, uh, you know, came back for it. So The Haunting of Bly Manor is takes place in London <laughs> somewhere <laughs> I don't actually know if it's London it's you know somewhere overseas and they have like British accents so there's that uh I really enjoyed the show like overall I started it uh before I went to work on Friday and that one episode had me not well it was Friday, so obviously I couldn't wait to get off work, but I couldn't wait to get home to watch more of it. Um, just, I thought it was really well done, and I don't, I don't want to compare it to The Haunting of Hill House, because I feel like they're different. Uh, like, I don't think that this one was better, I don't think that it was worse, I just think that it was different, and I think that both are enjoyable. I do think that The Haunting of Hill House may have been a little more, um, I don't mean scary. Well, I guess I mean, like, scary in a traditional sense. I think that there were more, like, jump kind of scares or more reveals that were a little more horrifying in The Haunting of a Hill House as opposed to this one. This uh, story felt a lot more emotionally driven, even though The Haunting of Hill House was also very much driven by emotions and, like, grief this this also had that same vibe like they were different but they had similar vibes in the sense that unexpectedly these shows had so much emotion behind them and I don't want deepness within the stories and I wasn't like I watched Haunting of Hill House and I definitely wasn't prepared then and then it was like okay I see that we're gonna you know we're gonna have some some deep-rooted things happening here and then once I finished it I realized I still was not prepared for what the haunting of Bly Manor gave me um I wasn't ready so I'm just I guess I'm gonna get into it and maybe go episode by episode kind of the season was nine episodes and each one was roughly an hour well a little less than an hour only like one of them was more episode six was um so to start off we have uh victoria pedretti is back this time playing danny clayton and she is in london i'm like i'm pretty sure that it's like london uh and she is like looking for a job and she sees an ad or whatever in something to be an au pair for a couple of kids so she goes in this interview with this guy um who played by Henry Thomas. Oh, and he plays a dude named Henry. Oh, wow. How? I don't know. I think it's, (laughs) this is like an aside. I think it's kind of, I don't know, interesting or funny when people play characters with their name. I don't know. Uh, Especially for like ones that they don't write themselves. So like Issa Rae playing a character named Issa. I don't like feeling type of way towards that because she wrote that character. But like this dude happens to be playing a Henry. So Henry is like conducting this interview with Danny and it's like super awkward and he's talking about his his kid they're not his kid they're his niece and nephew and they live in this Bly Manor and he wants her to look after them and he thinks that her like teaching background could be of use because she'll also be tutoring them or whatever an au pair does I have no idea I'm not rich I'm not from London um (laughs) so 
the interview is all awkward and they and she basically doesn't get it and then she meets him at a bar like she's at a bar and then he shows up at the bar or a pub if i'm supposed to you know say that word instead and um she like confronts him and it's like super uncomfortable because i don't actually i don't remember oh yeah, it was in the interview and he asks her like what her catch is like she's young most people that i guess most people that are au pairs are like a little older like older she's like she's young like in her 20s or whatever like from america it's like what basically what's wrong with you and like why do you need this job like what are you running from and then she's like all right i saw this ad in the paper six months ago what's your catch and i was like "Ooh, good question also first red flag don't take the job and then he's at there at the bar and then he tells her that the last au pair is dead died on the property um but then also like he says okay so he doesn't say she killed herself but she says that the last one killed herself because he said it was like her fault or something of or of her own doing i don't know uh but then also he phrased it weird truly a red flag should have ran and then he kept saying like it's a great good it's a great good house i think i don't ever want or or a great good place i don't ever want to hear the words great good next to each other in a sentence again I don't trust that. I don't, don't, for, don't trust any, anybody that says something is great, good. It's probably not. It's going to be real bad. Like, just off the bat, don't trust that. So, she doesn't, you know, he, the, she doesn't look at any of the signs and just, like, takes a job. But, like, also, I mean, it's free, like, housing and it's, like, a job. I don't know. I wouldn't have done it, but I guess I can see why someone would take this job. Except for the fact when she actually gets there. Because five minutes into, I take it back. Five seconds into being on the premises, I would have been ready to leave. I would have asked a nice man, Owen, who drove me there, to turn around and take me back, and then I'll, I'll just, I'll be poor. I will, <laughs> I'll do something, I'll go back to America, I'll face whatever my other demons are, because I can't do this, this is awful. So she gets to the premises, and she's like greeted by these, you know, cute little pale kids, uh, <laughs> Flora and Miles, and i've said it before i don't think i've said it on here um i don't think it's a polarizing opinion but like little like little pale kids are horrifying um if you make them twins they're even more terrifying you've heard of the shining or seen it the shining twins horrifying i'll tell you what makes little pale kids even more creepy when you give them an accent so these ones automatically i'm terrified i don't trust these kids no i would have turned around immediately so flora's all this is perfectly splendid and like oh she's even more beautiful than we thought and just like way too happy way too pleasant and way just i don't know it was like alarming and then like miles was like kind of creepy like yes this is a little kid but like he's like 10 or whatever but he gave off the immediately he gave off the vibes of an older creepy dude so that's a red flag in and of itself here we are, Danny's here living it up, embracing the kids, and then Flora is all over by a lake or whatever, and Danny's like, oh, what a nice lake, and Flora's like, no, it's actually terrible, pretty bad, kind of smelly, don't go to the lake, oh, it's bad, it's like, all right, and then she's like, there was this little, Flora made these things, and they were called, like, talismans to like, keep people safe, but they look kind of scary they're like little dolls made with like straw or hay or like wood out random stuff just anything you could find and i don't entirely know what makes them special but that's just like in the ground and danny's like hmm interesting all right so they take her around the premises and they tell her that uh one of the wings is off limits it's wherever their parents used to stay and the kids parents are dead i don't think i said that yet but the, the parents died in a plane crash, I guess. Um, I'm saying I guess because they said that, but then at some point later, it felt like that might not have been true. But I don't know. We never really circled back to that. So I guess I'm still a little bit up in the air on that one. So that wing is like off limits. They don't go there. It's just whatever. So Danny is like in her room starting to get settled. I think she wants to like change into something, I don't know, more comfortable. Who knows? I was like from a long day of travel... They just drove her in from wherever, so I realized she didn't actually have to fly anywhere. But here we go. We got Creepy Mouse standing in the doorway, watching her undress. Uh, and she, like, turns around, like, startled and, like, asks for privacy. And it's, like, super, super uncomfortable. Those vibes were all the way off. And, like, like if the red flags haven't already been enough, 
Miles standing in the doorway was more than enough to be like, actually, I don't think I need this job. So she bypasses that. And um, I did not mention previously that when Danny went to like pack up her stuff and move into, into the manor, we could see that all of the mirrors in her previous apartment were covered. And uh, what we learn is that when she looks into a mirror, she sees this reflection of like, like a man's kind of silhouette. Like you can't see any of, any of the facial features, but the eyeball, like in, in the eye socket area, it's just like glowing orbs. Like I definitely kept calling them light bulbs for eyes. And so it's like, you see this like dark silhouette of a dude and like just bright lights where the, where the eye, where the eye sockets are. Um, essentially if you have like glasses where the lenses are, it's the bright lights and just like, okay, so obviously Danny has her own set of issues. So maybe that like, this is the whole thing she's running from. This is Danny's, uh, quote unquote catch. And I'm like, all right, girl, but I would have faced that demon rather than be around these creepy children in this huge home. Creepy kids plus a huge home, absolutely not. Too many rooms, too many hallways, too many stairs. Just so much danger lurking around the corner. And who's who's to know, right? So um, we, we, we find Owen is the, the chef. Um, Hannah is the, she's a live-in, the live-in uh, housekeeper. And then we also, I don't know if it was the first episode, but we also meet um, Jamie, who is the gardener. So, you know, we got these other characters going on and on the premises of By Manor. And then you got Henry, who basically never comes to the manor until the end. And he was really annoying about it, actually. So that's like the first episode. Also, uh, also, we learned that Miles got kicked out of boarding school, but we don't find out why until like, I guess, episode two it was. So that was also a red flag. Like, come on now. And so, um, also these kids, <laughs> I'm kind of like all over the place, but another thing that was like important was that these kids locked Danny in the closet and there's a mirror in the closet. So of course she's locked in there and then she sees the, the, the silhouette dude with the eyeballs and the kids are like, we can't find the key. Blah, 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 blah. She's having a whole like panic attack in the closet. She's like crying, like hyperventilating. She is going through it. They are doing basically nothing. Uh, and then somehow at some point the closet door gets opened and then also there's muddy footprints all in the hallway and Danny is like, this is way too much. We're going to deal with this in the morning. And, um, she ends up like teaching them or trying to teach them a lesson or to, to take uh, responsibility for their actions. So she ends up making Miles mop up the muddy footprints because he did something else reckless um and yes and then she also was trying to get them like clean their rooms and whatever Miles was great at it great at it because of boarding school and then Flora is kind of just like blah, 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 perfectly splendid blah 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 and now Flora has this huge dollhouse right with all these little weird dolls though like they're not like she didn't get these from the store like maybe like a couple but then there's like these little handmade creepy ones that little knickknacks tied together and just shoved anywhere and on the floor and then Danny picked one up and the floor was like that one has to stay and that one stays there and it was like under the dresser and it was like horrifying and then frequently when Flora is talking to Danny she's never looking like she she'll be looking at her but then there will be a moment where she looks past her and like I don't know, for like approval or something. And it, Danny kind of just doesn't do anything about it. But the whole time I'm like, hmm, this is sketch. So we got all this going on. We got dolls. We also, in typical like haunting of fashion, when the lights go out in the corners, you can see figures and like, what you assume are like ghosts and stuff. Because like, I, I didn't, learn this um I'm not like a his like a like a huge like history person I don't know a whole bunch and so I was seeing this like ghost thing and I definitely kept referring to it as like <laughs> toucan Sam of a ghost um because I had this like long like nose thing it wasn't until later that I realized that's what plague doctors wore so there was like a plague doctor ghost that you can see like lurking from I think episode one and basically throughout, you can see this ghost in different corners and crevices. crevices. Um, there's also, like, many other, like, ghosts and shadows that you can see. Uh, and then you also got the ghosts with, like, no faces. 
uh, Flora was like, their his face isn't done, and and my dad is like, there were no eye sockets or like a mouth. There was kind of nostrils, but like that was the extent to like the face doneness of it all. And it was like pretty creepy. So in episode two, we get to actually see Miles in in boarding school and see the actions that got him essentially kicked out. But there wasn't really one underlying action that did it. Like there were several things combined. And he ends up like I think he like killed a bird and then put it on uh, on like a priest's like I don't know somewhere in a church. He like jumped off of a tree. Basically, he like fought a kid unprovoked and he said some wild stuff and he really just did a whole bunch and then basically got kicked out, but it was like intentionally so, like he wanted to leave and the only uh, reasoning that they could find for him wanting to leave was a letter that Flora sent that said, please come home, basically. So when Miles is like talking to this priest who was kind of I'm saying priest, I don't actually know if I'm right, who was um, trying to look after him and make sure that he was all right. He's like, I just have to find your key. And that was like a creepy thing to say. And as like, some is something with Miles is off. So we also end up meeting this dude named Peter, uh, Peter Quint, who played by someone, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was Luke in the previous season, like adult Luke. And uh, we kind of, we see him like lurking in like windows and you, you see him like popping up in places and Danny's like, I keep seeing a guy, uh, do all and she's like, they're, everyone's concerned, they're calling the cops and it's weird. But we end up getting some like Peter backstory and we hear Peter say kind of the same thing that um, Miles said to the priest because he was, he, we see Peter tell Miles that People are like doors. They all have their own keys. And if you can find the key to them, then you can get to them somehow or whatever. Creepy. Peter was a creepy dude. I didn't like half the stuff he ever said. And then that was the like first red flag that like, all right, this old man is somehow in this kid. And that's why he's creepy and has this old creepy dude like vibe. That was like one of like the first things that really like tip you off to there is someone in Miles especially because at the boarding school Miles they were talking about some in the bible and I think like pigs being possessed or something and then like going into the water again that I don't know too much about uh biblical stories and stuff like that but they were talking about kind of possession and then Miles was like do do people need to give permission for to be like possessed by whatever I guess and the priest was like yeah that's the whole like free will like even even a demon or a ghost can't take your free will you have to let them in essentially so that whole thing is like alluding to Miles has let someone in obviously and uh it's this Peter guy and you can tell basically immediately and we we don't even get the confirmation that that's what happens until I think like episode six maybe so yeah um we have this Peter issue and then we also start to learn more about Rebecca the former or, or uh, the former au pair who um the kids called Miss Jessel her last name was Jessel so they call her Miss Jessel and uh we start to learn more about her and we also kind of see her lurking around in black like weeping by the lake and just looking sad all around um, when we're not getting her backstory, because in the backstory, we find out that her and Peter had a whole thing, like, it's just, like, a, a fling. Uh, I guess, like, fling isn't right. I guess they loved each other or whatever, but this is when I realized that Peter pretty much sucked, because there was, like, an incident with, like, cake batter tasting. Like, Owen was making a cake. It was strawberry, or it was lemon, or it was both, and they were tasting the batter, and Flora's like, oh, it needs some more strawberry, and then Miles like, oh, it needs more lemon, and then it was like, okay, everybody taste this batter. Now, I was truly disgusted by the the way in which they were doing this because it was like bowl of batter, same wooden spoon. Everyone is dipping back into the bowl and everyone is like licking the batter off the spoon. That That's so much cross-contamination. Like, I would have felt that way pre-Rona, truly. So, post-Rona, very alarming. Uh, so, everyone's like tasting the batter. Even Rebecca tastes it. 
And then you can see Peter in the backdrop getting angry about it. Uh, like, just, like, brooding. And then Owen's like, oh, Peter, you're the tiebreaker. Also, no one ever really liked Peter except for Rebecca and Henry, who Peter worked for. So Peter tastes batter, but he literally sticks his fingers into the bowl and then tastes the batter. And it's like, that's also bad because your hands are definitely dirty. You were smoking a cigarette, first of all, so I don't trust anything about that. They should have just thrown the batter out at that point. But later, they're having a fight about it because Peter's talking about some, oh, you open wire for any man. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And Rebecca's like, whoa, 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 this is, a, this is a lot of hostility. We were all trying to figure out what the cake needed for to please the children, so you can calm down with all that. And he, like, leaves in, like, a fit of rage. And it's like, are you kidding me? So, I hate Peter. That's the moral of the story. Um, and Rebecca should have, could have done better, both of those. Now... Hannah, the housekeeper, she knew that Rebecca's downfall was the fact that she had fallen for this Peter dude. And she was like, the downfall of most women is some man that probably sucks, is basically what she said, except not a direct quote. Um, and I think that she was trying, Hannah was trying to prevent her own downfall because it was so clear from, well, it was so clear from the beginning that Owen had a thing for Hannah and it became even more clear, like, throughout that Hannah also, like, reciprocated those feelings, but wouldn't, wouldn't say anything or, like, act on them because that just, like, wasn't who she was. But she was also, like, pretty elusive throughout, like, most of it, um, basically speaking in riddles and metaphors and stuff and, like, lighting candles and, I don't know, like, she felt wise but also hollow at the same time in some cases um but i don't know i liked hannah i i liked what she brought so that i basically i like okay the only people i didn't like peter and henry uh they just were the worst so the rest of them and i mean like the kids were creepy but i mean i guess they were supposed to be and what is honestly what is horror horror without some creepy kids so, um, I realized I was, like, going episodically, but I'm also kind of not, and also doing, like, broad strokes, and this is also a hot mess, but, um, in one of these beginning episodes, oh, I think, like, the second episode, when <laughs> Jamie, the gardener, like, pops up, you could sense a vibe was around with, like, people, and it was really, like, trying to figure out what the vibes were. Um, and it was def it was a gay vibe that was there and present. Um, but it was kind of like, all right, so who is it? And we end up, you well, you figure out that Jamie is half of the equation. And then the other half, we learn, is Danny. So we start to get some Danny backstory, right? Because she's got this, this man in the mirror. Haha. <laughs> Sorry, she's got this, like, man in the mirror following her with these glowing orbs of eyes. And you're also kind of wondering, you yourself are also still kind of wondering what the catch is and, like, why is she here? So we go back to, I don't actually remember how long ago it was. It could have been a year or, like, less than. We go back to her life in America and we see her at an engagement party. Oh, uh, well, actually, we see her, like, young. We see her, like, little... So, we see her, um, at, like, I guess 10-ish, and we see her with this guy, and he's telling her that he needs glasses now. And the glasses we see are some glasses we've seen before <laughs> that I didn't mention. Um, so, Flora ends up in Danny's, like, room, and she's kind of, like, going through a suitcase. She, I think she put some of her stuff up, but then she found these glasses that were broken, and she was holding them, and then she was like, oh, uh, please, I didn't break them. They were like this when I found them, X, Y, Z. So Danny kind of gets emotional, and actually, she gets super emotional. I think that's when she literally runs out of the house to cry away from people. But while she's having her breakdown, Jamie, uh, the gardener, I don't know why I keep saying Jamie the gardener, it just kind of fits together. 
is like walks up and like catches her literally sobbing um and but like keeps her distanced so as to like not just be staring at her cry and then like tries to cheer her up and then that's really when you can see the vibes flying off the chart and I guess some point after that it could be the same scene I have no idea actually we get to start seeing Danny's backstory where we see her young with the little boy and the little boy is holding the glasses that look just like the ones that Flora had that were like broken. And he's like, I'm going to need to wear glasses. And then Danny's like, for the rest of your life. And then he's like, yes, or yes, or whatever. But now that I'm like thinking about it, he had to have gotten like new ones. Like he couldn't have had those glasses. Like do people get, I don't, I don't like need glasses. So I don't know. But I know people that need glasses and I know that they don't have the same glass from like 14 years ago. So he had to have gotten like new ones that just looked the same, right? There's like no way because then your prescription changes. Okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about that minute detail, but we th- we see the glasses and then we then we fast forward and we see the engagement party, and it's grown well like grown up Danny and the guy that we assume is a guy because of the glasses, obviously. Um, only there there are two pairs of the same glasses don't exist, so this has to be the same dude. And uh, they're talking about, like, I don't know, friends to lovers trope. And he's like, she dared me to kiss her. And I did. Next thing you know, we're engaged. And she was like, I asked her to marry me. And she said, we're too young. And then he said, well, what one's old enough? And then he just said, I just kept asking until finally it was time. Whatever. And I guess it's, it's like, cute or sweet. Uh, but, like, Danny's face is, like, present and then distant in a moment. And you kind of start to wonder, like, what's up with that? So we see that she's, like, super close with his family. His mom ends up giving her her wedding dress, uh, like, from when she got married to the dude's father. I have no idea what his name is. Honestly, I don't remember. Um, to the dude's father. And it's, like, a sweet moment. And she's, like, oh, wow, whatever. So then we fast forward some more. We're at, uh, she's getting fitted in the dress because mom's, like, you know, we gotta, we gotta, like, take it up or take it in or whatever. If you want to, like, change it a little bit, you know, I won't feel away. Uh, I hope you, like, enjoy it. Like, I hope you like it or love it and whatever. So she's doing the fitting and then it's her actual mom and then her mother-in-law-to-be are, like, sitting in the, like, on the bed talking about life, former marriages, marriage failure, and all this other stuff. She's getting fitted and uh, the person fitting her is a woman. I almost said obviously, but it doesn't have to be the case. I do think well it is hmm <laughs> as i say is fashion a woman dominated industry like it feels like it would be just like cooking feels like it would be a woman dominated industry but then like actual chefs are like mostly men so i don't know anything about fashion um so the one there's a woman who is like fitting the dress and taking the measurements and everything and as it's happening there are some lingering eyes and like lingering touches and you can like see oh, this is, this is where we're going with this. So fast forward a bit and we are at dinner with Danny and her fiance, whose name, nope, don't have it. Uh, And they're talking and basically she is trying to break things off with him. And I don't even know. Oh, okay. She was saying something about like, it never felt right like, she was, like, uh, she was saying that, like, she loved them and everything. It's, like, a best friend and everything. But she was, like, I kept thinking that if I just kept doing this long enough, it would feel, it would feel right. And it never did. And, you know, she was just saying all the stuff. And then we end up moving on to them in the car. And they're, like, saying this. And he's, like, upset and, like, angry. And, like, I don't know, why didn't you tell me or something? Like, he, he like, he's angry. And she's like, I love you so much, and this is just so hard, and it's like, oh, this is, like, pretty heartbreaking, and it's, like, sad, because, like, I guess she's, like, kind of coming out to him, and then he's, like, super angry, because it's, like, I'm also, like, I get that, they were literally engaged to be married, and, like, now she's, like, saying this, and so he's, like, angry out of heartbreak, I'm assuming, and so then he, like, stands up, and, like, open, well, he, like, opens the car door, and he, like, stands up, and he's standing there for, like, a second, and then next thing you know, you like see his glasses feel like feel fill with um bright yellow light i guess i'm gonna call it yellow and then all of a sudden you see him get hit by a truck like a like a a truck truck just smashes into him in the car door and then we see him laid out on the ground and like obviously he um dies and so that's when we realize 
the the man in the mirror was her uh, fiance who died just like directly after they were calling off the engagement and died angry at her and was just a lot and so she's basically like she's haunted by this man in the mirror and what she's really haunted by though is her guilt um of how it all went down um because i mean literally five minutes after you like break up with him he gets hit by a truck while he's angry like it, it was just all too much for her to to deal with and so she let the guilt consume her and let the guilt haunt her which is like one of the themes of these shows it's like a lot of these ghosts or things that you're haunted by are these manifestations of different feelings manifestations of grief it's manifestations of guilt that are so powerful that they actually are haunting you and taking over your life and affecting you so deeply and legitimately um granted no one else could see her man in the mirror it was just her and he was then a couple times he wasn't even in the mirror she would just like see him and it was when she was uh like moving on or like in the scenes that she had with jamie he would appear like any scenes where things were getting a little more intimate between her and uh jamie he would appear and like block it it was her guilt was putting up a wall between her and happiness and moving on so i thought that was really interesting to watch um to watch that unfold and then we also see her confront that guilt uh in a sense she got super drunk and then decided that enough was enough because i guess she was ready to move on um and i don't know see if things with jamie could be a thing and so she got drunk and went and grabbed the glasses that she was holding on to and burned them in a fire <laughs> in I, guess, I don't know the woods or in the back area would whatever burned him in a fire and by doing that burnt her guilt away um she'd also already told jamie that she sees him i guess she told him about her fiance no she told her about her fiance and how she sees him sometimes and i guess that allowed her to get the weight off of her chest and then therefore confront the guilt that she had and then she burned her glasses and then said goodbye to whatever her fiance's name was and hello to new possibilities even though circumstances are horrible because she's literally in blind manner which is overrun with like ghosts and creepy kids um just and at some point you're kind of just trying to figure out who even is alive at this point right which wasn't necessarily um a haunting of hill house scenario but it did give me vibes of the first season of American Horror Story Murder House because a bunch of those people were dead and you didn't even know and you were trying to figure out who was real and who was not. Um, so this kind of had the essence of that going on, but way less um, messed up than that one. So we uh, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next with this. And I think the next place I want to go is Hannah and Owen. So that same night that we see Danny and Jamie get like closer and her talk about the guilt that's haunting her, we also get to see like like a cute moment of Owen and Hannah. Now Owen is grieving because his mother has just died and her funeral was like that day and he feels like he's obviously saddened. But like now he has gained this sense of freedom because the reason that he even was staying so close and like working at Bly was so that he could take care of his mother and be close to her. And so now she's gone, he doesn't have that tying in there. So he's talking to Hannah, he's like, let's go to Paris and like, let's do this stuff. And um, I don't think Hannah really said anything, but we then get to see Hannah's journey and we see her slipping in and out of different time. So we kind of see her start with her interviewing Owen for the position of a chef and um, then we see other memories. But after, after, so, after so much time, she ends up looping back. To the memory of the job interview but as she's there and she's talking to owen she's like wait we've done this before and then it's like owen in the memory is like yes we have but we're doing it again 
and we kind of keep circling back to that and it's kind of like I don't think I understood like why in the moment and I don't know if I actually have a grasp on like why it was that way but it was kind of that way to make her remember and realize what had happened to her so as we're going through these memories we see her interacting with like the kids we see her uh at a couple points interact with like the parents of the children like before they died uh and the mother was like really sweet to her because apparently hannah was married but i guess her husband cheated on her and the mother was like you can stay here as long as you need to um and so we see them like welcome her into this home and her become part of the home and we see her interact with rebecca we see her interact with peter who sucks and then we also see her remember what happened to peter and i don't even know like i don't know if that was if she was actually there in that moment and just repressed that somehow or what but what we do wait was that peter's memory or was that rebecca's memory was that hannah Okay, we see someone's memory, and I I really think that it was Hannah. Mm, I don't know. But I remember the memory being too difficult to to watch. So I feel like that must have had to be Rebecca's memory, actually. Um, But in in any case, we get to this memory, and um, we see Peter... Oh, yeah, no, no. Okay. It is Hannah's memory, because this was after Peter and Rebecca had the fight, where Peter was was kind of trash to her or was this when peter peter ended up making up with rebecca and telling her to pack a bag we're gonna run away to america together and then it's like i'll be back but as you know in any in any horror movie or horror show or honestly also like tv shows just in general if you say you'll be back nine times out of ten you do not make it back especially in a horror setting you just do not return something inevitably goes wrong and you end up dead and that was what happened to Peter. So Peter is like walking down the hallway and um, we see a lady, uh, like a lady ghost because she doesn't have a face. Literally just grab him, choke him, drag him into a room. And then the Peter that, but like a Peter walks out, but he's like different now. And um, he ends up watching and, and then we end up watching the woman who dragged, the woman ghost who dragged his body into the room. We see her drag his body back out and down the stairs and like Peter is watching her drag him and he's like, what has happened to me? And it was all, I think it might have also been in that moment that he like touched Miles's shoulder and then therefore became a part of Miles. And it was like weird. I don't even remember who was in the hallway, but like that is a thing that happens. Um, and then Hannah is like circling in out these memories and like in like the church chapel. Maybe it was like a chapel. No, like like a churchy room. Um, lighting candles, you know, for the dead. And oh, the thing that first. Oh, there were a couple scenes that alluded me to Hannah maybe not being alive. And that was, she wasn't, she didn't eat. And then I was like, did she even drink? And then I was like, I saw her like drink a couple times. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. But then when it came time for Miles' mom's funeral, she was in the thing lighting a candle. And um, Danny was there and Hannah was telling her that funerals are for the living. And then I was like, but then she's like something else to like not necessarily just leave it at that. Where it's like, I'm obviously not alive, so therefore I can't go. But it's like they're for the living um, to, I guess, like work out whatever they need to work out. So I'm going to do my part and light the candle to remember whoever essentially is what she was getting at. But funerals are for the living. She obviously wasn't living and therefore she couldn't attend. And that was really when like the the pieces started to come together for me. And so we, as she's circling through these memories, she sees, um, she sees Peter and Miles at at this well and I think Peter jumps into Miles again and is like really wish you hadn't have done that or seen that or whatever so then Miles shoves Hannah into a well and she falls to her death essentially but then her body is still like up there looking down or her ghost is now up at the well looking down at her dead body and she's distracted and then we hear in the background Danny arriving at the manor and Flora's like, oh, she's more beautiful than we thought. And then we see her kind of like snap back to reality in a sense, even though it's not because the reality is, is that her body is down there in a well and she's dead. We see her snap back to this moment and like welcoming Danny and like showing her around. So it was also like super sad because 
she literally had just died right when Danny got there, right when she was maybe realizing that she had these feelings for Owen, and so she was never going to be able to make it work with Owen because she's dead, and that was kind of heartbreaking. Um, because then when we finally circle back through her memories and we get her back to the quote-unquote current, current moment, we hear, we see her saying, like, wait, I want to go with you, wait, wait, and, like, Owen and uh, Jamie are leaving and, like, they're not hearing her and it's not happening and it was honestly kind of really sad. Like, this show was actually so much sadder than I thought it would be. I never... I, n- I never thought it was going to be this way. Um, and then there was way so much more drama, right? Because we have all this going on. We realized that Peter is inhabiting Miles some of the time um, because someone was like, Miles. And then the, the person was like, most of the time, yes, but sometimes no. And it's like, hmm, that's weird. And so then we also, like, in the way that we had these, uh, these, these cycles through memories and these loops with Hannah, we also... And maybe the next episode, we get them with Flora as well. We see Flora getting stuck and lost in time and stuck in memories and, like, uh, like tucked away in a memory is how they would say it. So we would see Flora in in different moments with her, um, mostly with her, her parents. I think there might have been a couple with, like, Miles, but it's, like, with her, like, mom. And her mom was talking about these little talismans that she makes, little doll things. And then Flora's like, this is all wrong. I'm too old to be here. And her mom, and, and the mom is like, yeah, you are. And she, like, realizing, she's like, I don't like this. And it was just a lot. And then we would see uh, when Flora would be lost in, in these moments and stuff, we would see Rebecca reach out and, like, boop, touch her on the forehead, like, boop her on the forehead. And then she would, I guess, come to again? Or, I don't know. It was kind of, it was like, I guess she was coming to, or maybe it was Rebecca taking over and being like, everything's fine, I'm fine, I'm just going to go like lie down or whatever but we see her like stuck in these memories and that's when we start to piece together that Rebecca sometimes inhabits Flora uh in the moments where she's lost and like doesn't know what she's doing and like this whole time that all this weird crap's going on Danny keeps calling Henry and it's like yo your niece and nephew super weird something's not right and Henry's like avoiding it this whole time just like not going to deal with any of it and then um, finally, somehow, not, I guess not somehow, then we start to learn more about Henry and we start seeing his memories and then also his, apparently his alter ego, which I would have never come up with if it weren't for subtitles and them naming the character his alter ego. And it's like Henry would be like alone, drinking, but then he would be with himself. Like it was, it was like his alter ego was physically himself. But, I don't know, the more angry version or brooding, I don't know. It was kind of weird. But then we would get these Henry memories. And then you started to piece together that this wasn't adding up. And Henry was having a whole affair with his brother's wife. And Flora was their love child. And his brother pieced it together. And I guess confronted the wife at some point or whatever. Oh yeah, no, he definitely confronted her. And he was like... The math isn't adding up. Uh, Flora was born too early, but when she came out, she didn't look like she was born early. So obviously she had to have been conceived when I was away. And then the whole reason, allegedly, that the parents went on a trip to uh, India or something was because they were like trying to like get their marriage back on track. And then they die. And then this man's alter ego is probably the the manifestation of his guilt about all of that. Okay, I'm like working this out for myself and I'm thinking that's what it is. I think that was his manifestation of guilt because he felt guilty that he was sleeping with his brother's wife and that ultimately ended up leading to their death, which obviously is not his fault that they died. 100% his fault that he was sleeping with his brother's wife, like obviously. But he didn't make them take that trip. He didn't make the plane crash or whatever. Um, that wasn't his fault. And then, like, Flora had no idea that this man was her father, right? He's Uncle Henry. Like, you know, just, like, a lot. A lot going on. A, a wicked web we weave or something like that. I feel like that's a saying somewhere. And so Henry's dealing with all this and he's just refusing to show up at the manor. And then he just, like, kept calling them. But then, like, breathing on the phone, so they thought that they were getting prank called by Peter because they didn't know that he was dead until Hannah just kept circling in the memories and realizing that, oh, Peter's dead. So, 
there's that. And then we 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 got um as far as like Owen and Jamie went, we didn't go too deep into their backstories. Like Jamie told us, like just like told us a story of her um her her like childhood and her uh her dad working in the coal mine, her mom sleeping with somebody else and having a younger kid and then stuff going wrong. I don't know, maybe the mom died. I don't remember. But then she was like had to look after um the kids and she was like I was still a kid and then they ended up in the system and separated and she was like this is why I care for flowers and not people because people inevitably are too difficult to deal with basically um and what is like at what cost like is it is it really worth it so she's got like a like a exterior built up and like a wall but somehow Danny is like disarming and then she's like you got a lot going on too, and it's like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. So we have all of this going on, right? Hannah's dead, Peter's dead, Rebecca's dead. Um, I'm starting to question if the kids are dead at this point. Um, I'm really questioning everything, right? And a bunch of stuff really starts to come to a head when Danny walks in on Flora talking to Rebecca, but like Rebecca has made herself visible. So again, similar to like What's that show? Murder House. Similar to Murder House, where the ghosts could make themselves visible if they wanted to. So Danny walks in and sees Flora talking to, like, Rebecca, but, like, she sees her now. And Danny's, like, freaking out and is, like, telling Flora to come with her and, like, get away. Like, get away from them. Get away from them. Uh, And then Miles ends up getting called and then... Peter's popping up. Danny is just like in shambles at this point, and it's just like way too much going on. So next thing you know, I don't know if she fell out or if someone hit her, but she ends up tied up and in the attic. Um, and so we see, uh, like when she like comes to, we see her all tied up and like crying and sobbing. It's like she can't say anything because there's some tied in her mouth. And we see Flora and Miles and Rebecca and Peter, and they're all up there. And the kids are kind of concerned, and they're like, we don't like this game anymore. She might be hurt, or she just wants to be let go, and, like, all this other stuff. And then, like, of course, Peter's manipulating them because he is the worst. Uh, he was the worst alive. He was He's the worst still dead. Because also he basically stole like everything from Henry. Like he stole a bunch of money. But come to find out he actually stole like 20, a quarter of a million pounds or something. Quid? He stole a quarter of a million something from Miles' like account basically. And just like the worst kind of person truly. And so we end up starting to cycle through his memories in this episode because Rebecca ends up like fading away and then we start cycling through Peter's memories and he keeps getting looped back to his mom showing up on his doorstep and I don't really remember what she wanted probably money because she knew that he was doing something bad and she was like I'm gonna tell I guess um and we keep looping back through that memory while they're all in this in this attic and um when whenever the when when they've disappeared the kids like when uh Rebecca and Miles are like have like faded and gone stuck into memories because what keeps happening with with the ghosts and the people is that they get tucked away in in these memories and they have to find their way or fight their way back to be in in the moment and visible and I don't know I guess able to inhabit a person so when they're gone the kids are like starting to untie Danny and like set her free, but then before they can actually finish, Peter pops back up and uh, R- Rebecca pops back up and they start talking about how the time is now. And then you're we're all like, "Ooh, the t- the t- the time for what?" And then you find out that their plan is to take over these kids' bodies, basically. But now, mind you, I thought this was weird because. Peter and Rebecca were like, you know, together, like, like lovers, essentially. And you want to inhabit the bodies of a brother and sister? No. And then also their children, right? So like, no. And um, so they start saying that it's like, you get to the way that they're selling this to Flora. I don't even know if Miles really was like, Miles is basically like, you can have my body. I'm out. 
Uh, but Flora was a little more, you know, concerned and like asking more questions. And she's like, okay, but we'll get tucked away with mom and dad and they'll, they'll keep their faces, right? Like they won't lose them because the whole thing with like people, like with these ghosts that lose their faces is that they become forgotten. Like the, the details become forgotten, but the, the silhouette is still there, like of who they were. Um, so it's like the memory and the feelings last, but the details are gone. And so Flora doesn't want to show up and like be stuck in a memory with a mom with no face, basically. So they're like, yeah, they'll, you'll be stuck in the memory with them and it'll be great and whatever. And they were telling them that they had to think this thing, say, it's you, it's me, it's us. And then at the end, they will like two will become one and they'll be like joint. But like Flora and Miles would be tucked away deep into a memory and Rebecca and Peter will be like the driving forces of these vessels, basically. So uh, was Miles does it right and like kind of like falls out or whatever. And then um, Flora does it and she like falls out and then they come to as Rebecca and Peter and Danny's still tied up on the floor, like, crying. And then, like, Hannah's knocking at the door, basically. And Miles slash Peter is telling Flora to take care of this. Uh, basically, I think killer was what he was getting at. Like, take care of her. Uh, I'm going to go take care of Hannah that's down there knocking at the door. And so Flora slash Rebecca is like, wait, like, killer or whatever. She's like, why do we have to hurt her? She, and then he's like, she knows too much. And then I'm like, okay, what does she really know? Because how would, what, who is she going to go to to tell this? The cops? The cops aren't going to believe that the ghost of a grown man has inhabited the body of a 10-year-old. So what? even if she knows, it's not like she can do too much with this information. They're just going to lock her up because they're going to think that she's lost her mind. So he's like, okay, just, just stay tight. Uh, I'll be back to deal with it. So... Peter Miles goes off to go talk to Hannah and he's like super mean about it because he's like yelling at Hannah telling her to remember he's like you just won't learn you keep dreaming of new outfits and like pretending that you're still alive but you need to realize and recognize that you are dead this is all a facade and all this other stuff and he's just like really going hard at her then we spring back to floor slash Rebecca come to find out Rebecca was holding it down and she didn't actually take over Flora's body. Uh, she just told Flora to pretend so that she could still set Danny free. So Flora unties Danny, right? Danny grabs Flora. Like Rebecca tells, like Rebecca comes like visible and is like, you need to get her far away from here. And then she's like, what about Miles? Rebecca said, it's too late. And I'm like, girl, you're right. Get out. So Danny picks up Flora and she's like running. And I'm like, all right, okay, they're breaking freedom. We're getting out of here. They're outside. Floor is freaking screaming and crying for miles and all this other stuff. And I'm like, girl, you are ruining everything. Danny should have dropped her. Obviously, it was too late for her too. Danny should have kept running and run all the way off the property and back to London because the ghosts can't leave the, the, the ghost river triangle. They can't leave the property. So here we have just way too much going on. Danny's screaming. Next thing you know, the lady that choked up um, Peter has grabbed Danny by the neck and is like, like choking her. And literally, Danny's like on the cusp of death, and Flora is like screaming. And now that I'm like saying all that, I don't even remember what happened next. <laughs> like, what came of that? Uh, hmm. So she's like choking Danny. Oh, okay, so she's choking Danny, but then, like, all of a sudden, so much other stuff starts going on. Like, um, Henry ends up showing up, and Flora's like, Uncle Henry! And just everything, everything is going wrong. Danny has, like, fallen out now. She's on the ground, like, unconscious, I think. And um, the woman has taken Flora, and she is walking Flora into the lake, and it's like, oh no, that's where you, that's where you take the people to die. That's, that's the dead lake. That's why Flora hates that lake. Everyone's dead at the bottom. So she's taking Flora, walking her into the lake. You got like Uncle Henry is on the cusp of death as well because that woman also choked him when he ran up. And so Owen is trying to resuscitate him. And then we have this like brief exchange where Henry's body or Henry's ghost has left his body or his spirit has left his body for a moment and 
Hannah tells him to tell Owen that she's sorry. Um, like when when Owen looks in the well, tell him that I'm sorry. And that was like kind of heart- heartbreaking. And so then we see um, the woman walking Flora into the lake. And then we see Danny starting to like run after her. And then we see Jamie running after the whole situation. And um, the woman is like there, the woman and Flora are like in the lake and she's like walking down deeper and deeper. And then Danny looks at the woman. The woman has no face anymore, right? And is like, it's you, it's me, it's us. And the, the way that the story is being told is told through a narrator. narrator is like, Danny had no idea what she was saying, but she said these words or what that would mean for her. And when she said them, it set all the ghosts on the premise from on the premises like free they were no longer tethered to that place they were able to move on and i guess like move on to like the next phase of i don't know death or whatever and um they were able to get flora back and when when she said that danny and the ghost lady became one so much so that one of her eyes was a different color because one of her eyes i don't know was like a blue or green or something like that and then the woman had brown eyes and so then like now one of her eyes is brown because the two have become one and um danny and jamie have like embraced and they're like holding flora and it's like whatever henry has now been resuscitated and i think owen was like oh what happened to hannah and then henry's like yikes essentially and then him and the kids embrace and then we start to go on this journey that takes place after all of these events and um i think now is a great moment to talk about how the show actually started because i realized i left out the whole narrator part of it all so the show like opens at this like wedding situation and um i think the i feel like the wedding is at bly or something or maybe it's not, or maybe it's just at a place that is allegedly haunted. And then this woman is like, I have a ghost story. And then she goes on to start telling this tale. And she's like, but it didn't happen to me. It happened to a friend. And so she's like telling this tale. And I'm just gonna say, like episode two or three is when I realized who was narrator. And I was right. Uh, The narrator was Jamie, the gardener. And she's like telling the story of her friend, aka Danny, who was truly more than a friend because when we get the story post Bly, um, that's when it really gets like beautiful, but like also tragically sad at the same time. Um, so like there's been so much tragedy in all of this and then also kind of beauty in some of the moments and just also sadness because there's been so much grief and like loss. And um, one thing that Flora said, though, that is, like, stuck and was, like, a recurring thing of the show and, like, a theme is that dead doesn't mean gone. And she was, like, when my parents died, I thought I was going to die, too. And then she said, I realized that dead doesn't mean gone. And and that is, like, where the memories come in because they're, they're not gone because you still remember them. And, um, like, that was, like, a big part of it. And so in this, um post Bly situation uh Danny and Jamie were talking and Danny's like crying or something she's like I can feel her um like I can feel her and I can feel like the worst parts of her basically I can feel like her rage or and all this other stuff and she's like someday that 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 is gonna take over someday I'm not gonna be able to fight it anymore and um Jamie was like well do you want some company and it was like a really like beautiful moment and then we get to see their their like lives together afterwards and them them taking it one day at a time and Danny not wanting to make long-term plans and we find out that Henry and the kids have like gone to America and like done some travels and like you know moved on and we see days and years go by and we get to see um uh, Danny and Jamie and they're like committed to each other and it was like a year had gone by and then Jamie's like I'm not sick of you and I want to basically I want to spend the, the days that we have I want to spend them together and um we get to see them have more years and more time and we see them having like dinner with uh what's his name Owen and Owen's got a restaurant and he's saying that he saw uh Henry and the kids and then he tells them that the kids don't remember any of the stuff that happened. They just remember that Bly was like their summer home. 
and they have they don't remember Hannah in like great detail but they remember like they recognize her face as someone who worked there but they don't have all these memories and all these things they just have like broad strokes of Bly Manor and um we see Jamie and Danny Danny like basically proposes that this whole thing took place took place uh like started in like the 80s like 87 or whatever uh so there was no marriage equality and she like did like like promise or anything she was like I know that we can't legally get married but um we'll 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 wear the rings and that'll be enough for us and um so we see them have that moment and we just we just see them like love each other and like grow and then we also start to see Danny slip away and start to be consumed by the lady in the lake um because when she would look basically at her reflection she would then see the woman with no face and that's she knew that her days were then limited and it just got like really sad and then she was saying that it it got too much to fight and she was like talking to Jamie and she was saying she was like like I like I know like I can see you and I know that I'm here with you but I don't feel everything anymore and then Jamie's like I'll feel enough for the both of us and it was like super sad and like I'm just I was sobbing for like most of the last episode because it was just too much um like it was beautiful again it was tragic it was sad and we're, we're like see this and then finally we see Danny leave uh and well actually what we see is Danny about to choke Jamie and that's when she knows that she has lost the battle at this point and so Jamie wakes up to see a note on on the desk and I don't remember what it said um but she knew what it meant and then she ends up going to Bly and then diving into the lake. And at the bottom of the lake, she sees um, Danny. Danny is now the woman in the lake because she took over. And Jamie is like crushed and like heartbroken and it's just so sad. And then we end up circling back to the present day where it's the woman telling the story at like the wedding. And uh, what I didn't notice in the very beginning, which I noticed at the very end, was one of the men who was listening to the story looked very, like, very familiar in the sense. Um, in the sense that this man was o- Owen, but older. Just like this woman was Jamie, but, but older. And the one getting married was actually Flora, but older. And the whole thing was like... I don't know, like a like a circular circular moment. The moment the moment had come full circle, and um, everyone leaves except for the woman Jamie, now now older and adult Flora, and they're sitting there, and uh, Flora is telling her she was like, "You made a mistake when you set the story up," and the woman's like, "How so?" And Flora said, uh, "You said it was a ghost story," and the woman said. It, like, it, like, it's not. And then Flora said, no, it's a love story. And uh, the woman was like, well, if you retell it, then make sure you start off that way. And then we see uh, Flora's like, I thought, I thought she may be making this all up or something. And then she's like, my middle name is Flora. And that's when you realize that this is adult Flora. And I guess maybe that's the moment where you like get the confirmation that that's adult Jamie and it's just all so beautiful and then you realize that that's adult owen and then we see them in like the reception hall of the wedding or whatever and you see like the flashes to their younger selves to their older selves like matched up and it was just like i said sad beautiful and tragic which is a taylor swift song but the words are just so aptly fit for what this was and I was not prepared for any of that. I wasn't prepared for a love story with all of this emotion behind it. I was prepared for for frights, you know, um, spooks. I was I was prepared for that. I didn't. I don't think I came here for that. I don't think I came here for to have my emotions played with in such a manner. But they were, and it was just so beautifully done. And the whole thing about dead doesn't mean gone. And the idea of memories fading and you being stuck with like the broad strokes and not the small details anymore and so you're haunted by all these like half memories of people because all the people in the, in the manor were were basically dead but not gone but the, the memories of them have faded in such a way that they don't have the details of their faces anymore 
and they're just left roaming around or seeking vengeance or holding people there because they were, I don't know, wronged in their real life. Because I truly left out the episode where we went back and figured out the origin of the Lady in the Lake, which that's where the Plague Doctor came in and then, like, scandal and whatnot. But it was decent backstory, but it didn't, I guess it kind of did, whatever. I left it out because I was more so focused on the people that were more present in, in it, uh, but it was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I, again, don't necessarily want to compare it to The Haunting of Hill House, which I will say I think was a little more uh, like scary in a traditional sense as opposed to this one, but this one was also kind of just super sad, um, but then like kind of scary in, in a different sense, in, in the sense of, I guess, maybe being forgotten or thinking about the people that you may have forgotten or realizing that, I don't know, that we let our, some of our more negative emotions like guilt and grief consume us in a way that prevents us from moving on or moving forward and doing things. And we've all got like ghosts or demons or things that are haunting us and we need to learn what to let go in order to keep moving. And I just thought that it was actually really beautiful and I really enjoyed it. Um, and if you listened this far and haven't seen it, then I also think that you should watch it. Um, so yeah, that was The Haunting of Bly Manor, which I did not expect to talk about, nor did I expect to talk about for this long, honestly. Um, I don't know if I said anything interesting. Uh, but yeah, it was really good. Um, so I don't really have anything, because I just recorded, like, yesterday, so I don't really have anything else new that I'm watching. I'm still re-watching Schitt's Creek, and I'm still really enjoying it, because after I had that emotional time with the finale, I needed something more light, and for me, that was Schitt's Creek in the middle of the night. Um, I, I started another show, but I don't actually know how I feel about it, so I don't really want to mention it. Um, uh, what, what else? I feel like there has to, I'm, like, always watching something, and so I feel like there has to be something else that I can uh, bring up, um, hmm, um, okay, uh, oh, okay, there was a show, I finished it, and I didn't mention it in the last episode, and I actually had a good time watching it, um, The Duchess, which is a Netflix original, and it's, um, like, written, and I guess created by Catherine Ryan, and she has a couple of stand-ups on Netflix, one is called The Glitter Room, and that's, that's the only one that I watched of hers prior to watching the show, and, uh, the show is short, it's like 30 minute episodes, a little less, um, six of them total. She, I don't know. So, so I watched the stand up The Glitter Room and this is like the one thing I will say about this. A bunch of it was overlap into the show. So like some of the jokes and stuff that she set up in The Glitter Room, you saw, I kind of acted out in the show in a sense. And then I was trying to figure out if the show was, like, semi-autobiographical because, like, in the glitter room, she talked about her daughter and, like, being, like, nine or whatever and being, living in, again, I think this is London, living in London but not being from there. And she's originally from, in the show, she's originally from Canada in real life. She might also originally be from Canada. I don't necessarily remember. Um, And so some of the jokes do overlap, especially, like, in the first episode. But then we kind of stray from that. And so then I didn't necessarily feel like I knew exactly what she was going to say with certain things. And I found it to be funny. I found it to be a quick watch. And I found it enjoyable. So The Duchess on Netflix um, is something that I recently enjoyed prior to going on this, like, horror, like, binge. Um, So, yeah. uh, Vote make good choices or make some choices, watch some good TV, and wear a mask. Yep, 